Hey, Starting Nine listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car on Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Coming off of a, a, a solid week of baseball, and what I mean by that is that we're always talking about storylines here on Starting Nine. We're going to talk about uh, different statistics. We're going to talk about different things that players said, players did, teams did. But when, when storylines evolve and they change and they present themselves, I think this was a week where we got some juicy storylines for us to talk about. Uh, just, to, just to give you a little rundown of what we're going to hit on before our first commercial break. Mike Trout said some things. Mike Clevenger made his Padres debut. Uh, the Toronto Buff Jays have entered the chat. And the Philadelphia Phillies. Out of nowhere. It's not out of nowhere. They've been fucking hot, bro. They have been hot. It's it's gone under the radar. It's not out of nowhere. I think it's gone under the radar. I think that's a better way to describe what the fuck's going on in Philly. Because I think what the Phillies have done, essentially, is they've kind of, they've lingered for most Mm -hmm. of the year, and Mm -hmm. then they just kind of fucking rip the top off, and they're like, all right, no, we actually are for real. So where do you want to start? You you pick a you pick a subject and let's let's just play uh, topic roulette. Well, you know what? Let's let's get to the Mike Clevenger debut because I think that is something that a lot of the phone, a lot of the fans were excited about. A lot of the fans were anticipating. I know myself was keeping my fingers crossed for them to push him back just one more day because yeah. selfishly that would mean that Mike Clevenger takes the mound tonight in Oakland Are against you guys playing baseball again. We're playing baseball. The A's are allowed to play baseball again, oh, and it could have it could have been cl- to Liam Hendricks. Yeah, yeah. The month for the month That's of right. August. Yeah, That's right. He had a pretty good month. Some some punches in there. What was he? Nine for nine in save opportunities. Nine for nine save opportunities. He had I want to say yeah twenty punches in like fourteen, 14 innings. innings. Only yeah. one. Only one earned run the entire month of August. Only one walk the entire month of August. So when you're talking about traffic back into the bullpen, limiting those base runners, limiting damage, yeah. take care of business yourself, punching people out, right. Liam Hendricks. So I think this is great because, you know, I mean, it's not, it's great and it's not. There, there's, a, there's a caveat here and that's, you know, the A's aren't playing baseball. So that means that you get to watch other teams live instead of going back and watching it later. You got to see the debut of Mike Clevenger. And I think one of the things that stood to me first, he looks great in a Padres uniform. Like, he looks like, he <laughs> like it was fucking sewn for him, right? Yeah. Like, like that's not a Padres uniform he's wearing. That's his natural base layer of a yeah. suntan. And they just kind of like squirted Padres on his chest. Yeah. That's really what you're seeing. He's out there in his birthday suit with some awesome fucking body paint. Yeah, no, he looked great. He looks great in a Padres uniform, but he goes out there. First batter of the game shows him 98. Sorry about it. And then just, I mean, you usually like, I mean, I guess the traditional sense you establish the fastball early and then you kind of like mix in your shit at, at like the second time through the order club through one fastball. And then it was just like off speed, off speed, off speed. I mean, he off speed, uh, the angels to death and 
uh, I mean, it's not his fault that he, that he caught the L because, uh, you know, you do need to score runs in order to achieve a victory in a Major League Baseball game, and the Padres did not do that. They got shut out uh, by the Angels. Last they ran into a buzzsaw, though. They ran into a buzzsaw. Andrew Heaney's throwing the ball he is. very well his last two starts. He's had, he had a couple bumps in the road back-to-back and, and shook those off because I, I believe last outing he was like seven and two-thirds. Yeah. Uh, uh, of good baseball last night again, just fucking slicing and dicing as well. The thing I took away from Clev's outing is so to your point, and he acknowledged this after the game fastballs early and then spinning it, spinning it, spinning it. Well, he kind of struggled to to really gain the feel he was looking for with the breaking ball, not able to put guys away with it at times like he wanted to because I think he only had two punch outs. Yeah, he's and, spiking them. Yeah, and and so. But what's, what's really good, what's really cool to take away from that, Jared, is a lot of times when guys show up in a new place, especially with Clev's status and what he's rolling into town with, you know, he's, he's not the savior by any means, but he is, he is supposed to be an injection full of excitement, right? Absolutely. So when you show up and you don't have your best shit day one, I mean, dude, that's like, that's like going and asking that person to dance on the dance and then fuck freaking how to dance you're like well i've got some ridiculous moves in here and i've just forgotten all of them what the fuck is going on you start to scramble and to his credit he stuck to the game plan and realized you know what now i just got to show this pitch all right and i'm gonna have to get outs with this heater and you saw it early 98 coming out of the hand clean so good job by clev to not let the moment and the desire to punch the world out and ingratiate himself day one. Like, he's not going to win game seven in your first outing, right? Right. And guys can try to do that at times. So it was really cool to see him just kind of step back, pitch with what he had, because in that loss, you can still take away from exactly what Mike Clevenger is supposed to do. And that's when the offense isn't rolling. The offense hasn't hit a fucking grand slam before the first pitch of the game you're going to need somebody to battle shit out for you on the mound, and that's who Clint Yeah, and, and I think the other thing, too, that I'm sure, like, if you're a casual viewer of Major League Baseball, you're not taking into account that this dude, uh, you know, you have quarantine where you don't have a regular start to your Major League season, and then he gets to start the season, and then he's punished slash quarantined again, so now he's going to stop his regular routine with the Cleveland Indians, uh, and then he gets traded and there's some downtime there. So he's been out of his normal routine essentially all year. So, like, I know that we, we often don't pay attention to the human element of all this, but these guys are – they went through a very abnormal start to their season. Oh. He gets to start it, and then he has to stop it again, and then he resumes it for the second time and then gets traded. So now he's not only taken out of his routine in terms of like every five days type deal. Now he's in a different city. It's a different ballpark. It's a different clubhouse. It's different teammates. It's a different Jersey. It's, it's everything. It's a different mound. So to go out there and be able to give that good of a start in your first time out, you have to commend him for that. And I would imagine it's, it's only going to get better for club with the Padres. I mean, well, and that's, that, 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 that's something I wanted to say too, Jared, is because you make a point about new faces in new places and that does impact things to an extent. But this situation is probably a little different. Yeah. And that's because after dealing with the punishment, 
not saying that the relationship was soured beyond repair, but the relationship was definitely soured, whether that's with the front office and Clev, some of the, some of the guys in that clubhouse and Clev, whatever the case may be, the relationship was very different than it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And so that might be a point of, or a matter of, Hey, getting out at the right time. And, and that doesn't mean he's escaping anything. That just means that the relationship soured and both parties will benefit from a timely departure. And I think that also can help Clev or probably help Clev settle in a little quicker because it's not like you're missing home, right? You're not sitting by the window wondering what could be if you were still in Cleveland. That's not the fucking conversation we're having here. He's excited to be in Slam Diego, and Slam Diego is more than excited to have him. And yeah. uh, I, I think we understand why, considering where their postseason hopes are, are headed right now. Yeah, and, and you also, uh, you know, if you're a former teammate of Trevor Bauer, that means that you probably have the opportunity to become a member of the Momentum family, uh, which Mike Clevenger is. And when he, like now, I think, I think what's cool about the generation today is, you know, you, you, normally it's like, all right, a player gets traded or a player leaves town in free agency. You might take out a full-page ad in the newspaper and it's like, all right, well, if you don't get the – the paper then did you really even know that the player said goodbye in his own way and it's probably written by you know his his uh agency or a pr firm mike clevenger gets traded and we all know the circumstances he broke team protocol and it was there was this big deal and um things could have ended on bad terms uh he could have been bitter about the way that things ended you know if he if he doesn't break team protocol is he still on the cleveland indians uh, yeah, I would say so. Um, but instead, you know, he takes the high road, gets traded, and uh, Momentum put together a really cool uh, goodbye video, kind of like a, you know, I'm reflecting back on my years with Cleveland. You know, this team took a shot on me. They traded for me. I pitched in the World Series for this team, made my debut. He was on the mound. Uh, again, why we're such big club guys. Uh, he was on the mound in the game where the Indians broke the record for most consecutive uh, wins in a single season and then after he after he got off the mound he came straight home and came on starting nine so yeah. <laughs> uh that was pretty fucking cool and yeah i think he, he he obviously recognizes what happened and and why he's in san diego but that doesn't take away from the fact that he established himself as a big leaguer with that organization they took a chance on him and i don't i mean obviously the end result isn't the same as shane bieber but you can look at it in the sense that you know, Clev and Biebs were both guys that came in where it was like, yeah, you know, you might, because I remember two years ago, Clev was kind of like the roaming sixth man. Like he was mm -hmm. like, we got, we're five guys deep. And if someone goes down, we'll give you a shot in the rotation, but we'll use you in a relief role. Like we want you on the big league roster. We just don't have like a defined role for you right now. And he made a defined role for himself. Well, he took it. He took it. That's yeah. what you need. You need guys like that to do exactly what he did. Be okay with the role that he was in early, but know that he has the capacity to take somebody's job from them and not by virtue of them sucking, but by virtue of him being that good, evolving and turning the page and becoming that guy that you just have to have in the rotation. Right. So it's, a, it's, it's almost the same in the sense where the Indians will give you the opportunity to show what you've got. 
And then from there, it's up to you. And, and Clev took that in stride and, and he made himself into a frontline starter in one of the best rotations in baseball. Same thing with Shane Bieber, only in Bieber's case, he turned himself into the best pitcher on planet earth, not named Jacob deGrom. So, and even still, you could look at Bieber's numbers and be like, yeah, Bieber's having a better year than literally any starting pitcher in baseball. Anybody. Uh, anybody. <laughs> and, and, but to talk about like the storyline element to this, we didn't even bring this up at the beginning, but this storyline creates another one in that if you lose Mike Clevenger in a trade and what you're trading for is not a starting pitcher to replace Mike Clevenger, now you've opened up a spot. So here comes Zach Plezak again. And I think, you know, you can have your opinions on whether or not it was right to call up Mike Clevenger and not Zach Plezak. And then you can say, well, Plezak was an idiot for posting the video and what he said I didn't agree with in the video when he was driving. People were like, yeah, they, they held him down because he made a video while he was driving. It's like, how many fucking people, whatever. So Zach Plezak gets called back up. And I didn't believe that was what, Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday or Tuesday. And comes back, six innings, one earned run, six punchies. And I feel like now he's sort of, he's getting it. You have to remember, he's, he's a young kid. And we, we, we met him for the first time down in spring training. And you got the sense that, uh, you know, it was Bieber, it was Clev, and he was learning from them. He's like, this is the guy that we see something in. He's going to be a big part of what we're doing here in Cleveland. Let's take him under our wing and just shut up and learn. And, uh, you know, with a guy like that, there comes a time and, and Clev talked about this when he was on Bauer growing Bites. pains, just growing pains, just growing pains. And, and Clev talked about this on Bauer bites episode one. We were episode two kind of pissed about that. I feel like we should have been episode one, but whatever, um, about how like, you know, Kluber has gone. So I'm going to take that leadership role now. And now that Clev's gone, like where, I mean, Carrasco is obviously the, the, the tenured guy in that rotation, but now, now it's Bieber's turn. I feel like now you're the guy, you're the ace of the staff. And that's a, that's a good dude to follow around and learn from because you're not getting nothing against like a guy like Casey Mize, but like, you're not getting like this one, one who's like, I'm the chosen one. I'm supposed to be here. I'm fulfilling a prophecy. Like Shane Bieber is a dude that turned himself into an ace through hard work and dedication to the craft. And if you're going to follow around an ace, I would rather follow around that guy. Like I would rather so, learn so, from that guy. So let's not be so quick to put the onus on Shane Bieber to bring along other individuals. And that's a, that's a tough spot to be in because we know Biebs and he wants nothing but the best for his teammates. Like if there was, if you are a complete stranger and you were walking down the street and you just happened to stop Shane Bieber of all people and ask him for anything, in terms of helping you out, he would do it. Shirt off his back, he'd fucking give it to you. If it was a matter of you walking home in his shoes so you could get there without any blisters on it, you'd have his shoes. He would do that for you. I also want to remind you, and you just kind of said it, he turned himself into the guy we are applauding and salivating over daily today. He's responsible for that, as well as some help, sure. But... He is on his own journey. He is after something in himself as well. And he is at the age right now where he should not be saddled with trying to make sure that some of the young phenoms behind him are keeping their nose clean and doing what they need to do. So he is the example that you watch 
day in, day out. When you show up to the yard and you're wondering what you can do, just watch Beebs, and he's going to give you an idea of how you should be getting your shit together. So while I would love for him to continue to maybe put his arm around guys when necessary and bring them along because he knows what it takes and he's shown that, I also want to give Beebs the opportunity to continue to turn into the beast that is in there because we're seeing it right now, and we're seeing what happens when you are focused. So over the course of 162 – I'd hate for him to at any point in time get sidetracked because he's trying to he's trying to wipe the nose of somebody else in that rotation. And I think Plesak understands exactly what has gone on over this last month. The gravity of your teammates being able to rely on you, even on decisions made outside of the baseball field, yada yada yada. That's all sunk in. So this this for me, like moving forward, is is a non issue. Like the the protocol breaking and blah, 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 blah. He like, the the, you know, it, he paid yes. the price and now it's time to just, like I said, shove it up their ass. Like give them, like make them look bad if they don't want you as a part of their rotation. And speaking of that Indians rotation, the reason why, I mean, there is obviously the punishment reason why, but when the Indians originally said, Hey, uh, we don't have an opportunity for you up here in the big leagues. McQuincy! It was because they had a, a gentleman, a starting nine alumni, a starting nine rub recipient in their rotation who was making noise immediately. Tristan McKenzie gets called up in his big league debut, punches out 10, follows that up with another stellar outing. So, I mean, they're just a fucking pitching factory in Cleveland. And it's like, ah, yeah, shit. We got two guys that, uh, happened to break team protocol. So we're just going to replace it with another stud arm in our rotation. So now, I mean, you lose Clev, but you got Tristan McKenzie. Please act back. Uh, so that's going to be a nice little race to, to follow in the AL Central. Uh, but we got some other storylines we want to get into, Dallas. This right here, Jared, uh, this, this caught my eye. This caught my ear. And this, this, this isn't just a quote. These aren't just feelings. Words, yeah. There's, there's something to these words, especially when you consider whose mouth they're coming out of. Whose mouth are they coming out of, Dallas? One Mike Trout. Oh, okay. And, and I remember, you know, when, uh, when teams first started to show up at spring training and uh, we started to hear from players that we don't normally hear from about the Houston Astros scandal. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you said, you were like, when a guy like this speaks up, you know, he may not be... Um, the chatterbox that we, the quote machine that the media and the fans want him to be. But when he speaks, you listen because he does pick his spots in, in terms of when he's going to say things and what he's going to speak on. And uh, he, he spoke on something that was pretty interesting. Sure did. So I'm going to read you the direct quote. Thank you for taking the, the, orange, the reading part from the orange County register. I got you, bud. <clears throat> Spring training. You come in, you got a great team. You had some big free agents with Anthony Rendon and some guys that can help this team win, Trout explained. Then we get shut down, and we come back and they expand the playoffs. To see where we're at now, it's definitely frustrating because we got a great team. I got 10 more years on this contract, so we got to move forward, Trout said. I said it when I signed. I got trust in the guys upstairs, and we'll see where it goes. End quote. 
What do you take away from that? Just surface level, you hear that quote from Mike Trout, knowing what the Angels have have kind of gone through, what, what, what they've endured, even in this short season. As they sit right now, they're a 13-win team, very last place in the American League West, zero shot of postseason baseball. Uh, aside from the Red Sox, they are the worst team in the American League right now. Um, what do I take from that? I, I think, I think it's surface level. Like, I don't think we're at DEFCON five of like, holy shit, Mike Trout wants out of, uh, Anaheim and that he's fed up with the situation over there. I think he's sort of just planting the seed with one month to go, knowing that the angels are out of it. They've already started a little bit of their transition. Um, I think it's kind of like planting the seed of like, Hey, pick it up. Like it's, it's a message to his teammates that are there because he's acknowledging, Hey, we went out and got Rendon last off season and we're this bad. Like Rendon's a fucking really good baseball player all around. So I think it's, it's kind of like a, Hey, pick it up to his teammate. It's, but it's also a, maybe a message to the front office of like, I, I'm not saying hey, this offseason, I'm fed up, trade me. Like, we've gotten there with players in the past where it's like, I'm fucking sick of what's going on. But it's also just kind of like knocking on the door, being like, hey, uh, you might have a problem on your hands if, if this is what we're looking at for the next five years. Like, I, I acknowledge that I am in my prime and I know I'm the best player in baseball, but I, I, I would like a championship to cement my legacy. Like, I feel like if I retire today, there will be conversations about where I fit in the pantheon of greatest baseball players to ever live. But not that, not that anyone ever really knocks Ken Griffey Jr. for not having a World Series, but there is something to be said about the fact that Griffey at least got to the postseason and had his moments there. Like, Mike Trout has no postseason moments. Like, I think, would they get there once? And like right, but, but, but so there, and, and there's a lot that can be said for the supporting cast around Mike Trout that has found him on the outside looking in come October. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that is exactly what this statement was about. That's what this quote is about. To your point about not raising the flag and saying, I need out of here right now. That is a very, um, and it's not a sternly worded statement, but Mike Trout is holding eye contact with you the entire time. He is saying those words. He's not blinking. He's not wavering. He's not waiting for you to look away and then look back at him. He is staring a hole right through your soul and letting you know, I'm really good. And I've seen what you guys have done to acknowledge how good I am. And I've seen what you've done to acknowledge the fact that I need help. And now that you've done it, I want to let you know something. We're not in a position to stop. I will be Mike Trout today and tomorrow. Anthony Rendon will do him. And we've got some other guys that can probably help that. But at no point in time, at no point in time, are you, the front office, going to sit back and watch me run around out there like one of your fucking show ponies. Mm -hmm. So crunch your numbers. Get that think tank together up and running because I want a fucking ring. Got it? That's what that message is was that's exactly what that message was and Mike Trout can't say the things I just said but he can deliver a message at a certain time during a certain season that has 
I don't know what his fucking WOBA is right now, but the expected weight of that statement right there, Jared, is magnitudinal because that is that is a flag. That is your superstar, the game's best player, who we have all talked about being ripped off from not being able to get to the postseason. That is him acknowledging that because he's telling you in so many words. Hey, boys, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but they – they pretty much opened the fucking floodgates. They sent out an invitation to the postseason to everybody. And for whatever reason, we're just declining. We're, 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 we're not showing up this year. I don't know why. I don't know if you don't have an outfit that you like. I don't know if you just couldn't get a fucking Uber to get us all there. But I would have liked to have gone. So let this just be the statement that you need from me to let you know that next time we get an invitation like this to a party where it seems like everybody's invited, I'd like to have our outfit picked out. I'd like to have my, my dancing shoes. Yeah. Sound good. Yeah. And I think, I mean, people joke that they did it for Mike Trout. Like obviously they didn't do it for Mike Trout, but having the playoffs expanded from 10 teams to 16, more than half of major league baseball making the postseason this year. And the angels are just going to come nowhere close like not even, even close threatened like weren't even in the conversation for a postseason spot this year like that's probably at the in the back of his mind like that's probably what would motivate someone Fuck the back of his that. mind jared fuck the back of his mind the front of his mind he's looking yeah. at teams like the fucking baltimore orioles who are kicking around in a conversation i mean look let's be real what are they fucking they're they're i, I don't know four or five games or so out of the wild card race is that realistic probably not the fact that that's a more realistic conversation blue jays are in second place the fucking white Sox are going to the postseason jerry that's a done deal bud that's yeah. a done deal and that conversation's not being had for a team like the Angels. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, – if, if I'm Mike Trout, I'm looking at everyone else. It's, it's the fucking SpongeBob meme where they're just looking at everyone else having fun and you're just like trapped behind bars because you've signed Fuck. this basically lifetime contract to stay with the Angels and you've Patrick. also signed for an uh, average annual value that now limits – you know, even like trade partners to where it's like, oh, I can't, can't go there. They can't afford me. Well, but you're just looking at the 16 teams that are going to be having a blast playing in the postseason this year. And you're not even close. Like you don't even get the pleasure of being like, maybe like if we get, if we get hot over this, the next two weeks here, like, could we, maybe, I don't know. It's, it's not even that you're just like, wow, uh, it is September 4th. And I'm thinking about like, what am I going to do spending my time this off season? Am I going to go golfing? Am I just going to hang out? I was going to say teams or like, like fans would now, I feel like be as sympathetic if he were like, uh, yeah, so I'm out. I'm going to go home with the, uh, I'm going to go home with the fam. Like this is, this is a wrap, right? We're all done here. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I'm out. They, they almost might respect that more. Like, like, come on, we can't get fucking Mike Trout to the postseason in a, in a year where they open it up for every, if we can't do that, then, then we can't expect him to be happy. Do you think that they'll see what happens this October and, and weigh that over the offseason to potentially keep it going with 16 playoff teams, or do you think they'll just go back to 10? No, they're going to go back to 10. And like I, I, I've said this before, not until we start to really get closer to the expansion of the league, not until two more teams become closer to a reality will we see this expansion 
I, I think, take hold. One of, the, one of the big hurdles for the purists like myself, and I think for a lot of people who don't want the playoff picture watered down, because then you really negate the 162 marathon fucking season. Like, I'll, I'll see you on opening day, Jared, and then I'll see you like September 27th, yeah. right? Like, what, what am I worried about? Right. Um, so until we see those extra teams or those two, those two expanded teams come in, there's no way that we can logically keep the roster or keep the playoff expansion the way it is. But the money that could be projected out to be made is what is going to be the biggest hurdle for the purists because they're just going to do the numbers. They're going to run the numbers and go, well, all things considered, if fans were actually allowed to come to these games, this is what the take could look like. This is what our bottom line could have been. So what do you say, Rob? You say we put fans in the stands next year and then we let everybody in and see what that postseason revenue looks like. And then but you know what happens then, Jared? What happens then? <laughs> then baseball, the ten billion plus a dollar a year industry, th- then that becomes a little tougher to sell as an industry that's just not quite the money maker that you think it is. You know, because you're gonna have a hard time telling people when you're making eleven, twelve, thirteen billion fucking dollars that this industry is one you might want to stay away from. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like becoming a becoming a teacher. Oh, it's rewarding, but the payout is just not there. Like if you love baseball, sure, look into buying yourself a team and being an owner, but but I'd stay away. You know, it's just it's really the risk reward is just not. Great. Yeah. How how broken up were you about the fact that A-Rod was upset that he didn't get to buy the Mets? He said the said the league was out to get him. Couldn't figure out why. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? Yeah, he said it was fixed. <laughs> Is that, a, is that a real quote? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> paraphrasing, but that was basically the gist of it was that he uh, he said it was fixed and that it was a setup. They didn't they didn't want him to buy the team. Oh, you got to fucking hate thinking one side enhanced their performance for victory. That's fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I don't want that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Did you see? Uh, <laughs> did you see? Uh, he asshole. He did a uh, Instagram live with Big Cat, and he said he wanted to. He said he wanted to hash things out with you. What? No. So I saw. I I uh, I think PFT sent me some. PFT tweeted me, and then he sent me. He DM me uh, like a portion of that, that video or whatever. And uh, <laughs> what what I really wanted to say is, you you want to know what that is? Is <clears throat> That's somebody who is in, who's on that cusp of getting something that they want, right? Because he hadn't had the news that he was out of the running for the ownership stake. So, like, literally anything that has come across your desk that you feel like you just want to, like, oh, let's just – can we make that right? Can we check that box? Can we whatever? Like, he's, he's willing to do it. Like, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Like – like maybe somehow, some way, me and me and Dallas sitting down hashing this out would sway ownership and would really give me a leg up in buying a fucking team. Like, no, I'm not saying that's what he was thinking, but when you're in that mode, it's like, yeah, yeah, fuck, I'd sit down, I talk to him, get the fuck right out of here, buddy, get the fuck right out of here. I don't want to fucking talk to you. I ain't got shit to say to you. You ain't got shit to say to me. Beat it. I don't necessarily agree. I do. 
I don't, I don't think, I don't think that he was trying to check a box in order to gain any sort of momentum in buying the Mets. Oh I no, think, no, I'm not saying that I'm that that our relationship yeah, yeah, or our yeah, interaction yeah, yeah. is that magnitudinal. No. Yeah, no, for sure, no. But I do think that it would be quite the dynamic. And I think that he would actually be open to you legitimately airing your grievances. Like, I think if, if he's stepping into that cage with you and he knows the history and he's probably aware of how you feel and he's open to having that conversation, I would imagine that he is under the impression that it's not going to go well at first and that, that the dialogue is going to be a little, little bumpy. Well, it's, it's not about bumpy. I mean, it's about like, look, if you think the conversation's just going to be between you and me about that one fateful day, you're, you're probably, you're probably mistaken. There's, yeah. there's going to have to be some lead up to, to that. Yeah. yeah. There's, sure. there's going to have to be some, some build up to that because you, you feel a certain way about people because of past events, because, because of history. And, you know, look, I, I've got a great life. I live my life daily with little to no thought about individuals like that. Yeah, no, it's, it is what it is. I think it would be interesting just to, just to be not even like a fly on the wall. I would actually be probably be in the room for that conversation. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, 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 trust me, dude, you know how many people have told me and look, I've, I've heard it from, I've heard it from decision makers at Barstool, Jared, like, like, just think, do you not, do you not think that that would do numbers? Do you not think that the traction, do you not No, I have fully acknowledged all of that, but the difference between me and a lot of those people is I just don't give a fuck. I don't, I don't give a fuck about what those numbers would do, what it could do for us. What it, I don't care. That's not something that I'm just checking at the door and maybe that's a problem. But for me, I sleep at night. I don't give a fuck. I'm not uh, uh, that platform, our platform, what we've created for me, in my opinion, is nothing that I need to give to anybody else who, who, <laughs> who's not getting that audience in some of the highest places that they're seeking. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm still rooting for it someday. I know you are. I think maybe that can happen. And if it doesn't, I'll talk to him. I'd like to have a conversation with A-Rod. I feel like, you know, I've got some questions. I, I, just, I, told, I told you this before. I've said this on this podcast. I, I, I think he would be a fascinating subject to psychoanalyze in an, well, in an interview. There's no, there's no denying it. There's no, like, that's, that's the thing is I don't want people like, like there's no denying the greatness. There's no denying the historic career. There's no denying any of that. And you'd be an asshole to even try to. But there is a certain point where there's just things that have happened and things that have been done and said and, and behave like that's just not a conversation I am even interested in having. But like, yeah, if somebody did a did a psychoanalysis on him and documented or whatever. I think it would just be relevatory for a lot of people. Like, oh, yep, makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where, uh, I, yeah, the numbers would do well. But I think it just it would just be fascinating. It would be, and I know that uh, you know he's in house now at Barstool, and I think when he retired, one of the best blogs I ever wrote was like a reflection on his entire career. And I didn't, it wasn't like a fluff piece or anything. I I went the good, bad, and the ugly with, with his entire career. And it was, uh, it is fascinating to sort of like look at it in that sense. So maybe someday we can have that discussion. Uh, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to bring him to tears because I would just be asking him like, do you realize, do you realize what could have been? 
Do you have any fucking clue? Do you know? Because I know you want to go to bed with people in love with you. I know you want to go to bed with your posters still hanging above children's walls or on children's walls. We'll see. Are, you, are you aware that it could have been different? Do you realize how different it could have been? I, th- that- I think he does realize it though. Oh, oh, Jared. Jared. I think he, he does. does. Oh, no, he does, Jared. Yeah. He does. He absolutely does. And that is, that is better than any conversation, than clearing anything up with anybody in his life. He has to go to bed with those answers or with those non-answers that only he has. He has to go to bed with those. Nobody else. And if he could give those to somebody else to sleep with at night, he would. But he can't. Yeah. No, I guess it's a, it's a to-be-continued discussion. And we will we'll stay on it. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens in the, in the ever-evolving dynamic of the Dallas Braden, Alex Rodriguez saga. Will he come on starting nine? Will he not come on starting nine? I wish Does him nothing but the best, Jared. Let's not get it twisted. I wish sure. him nothing but the best. Sure. If he does come on starting nine, will Dallas be there? Will he not be there? Don't know. Don't know. Stay tuned. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, as we mentioned earlier, red hot. Nine out of their last ten. Reese Hoskins has homered in six of his last nine games. I tell you what, Dallas, all it takes is a little trip to Fenway Park. You see some Red Sox pitching. Next thing you know, you are seeing beach balls at the plate. That was He hit his first home run of the season in that series against the Red Sox. Ever since then, he's been on fire. Uh, during this 10-game stretch for the Phillies, Reese Hoskins, the third-best OPS in Major League Baseball. NOLA throwing the shit out of the ball. They are now two and a half games back of the Atlanta Braves. Uh, coming into play on Friday, the Philadelphia Phillies playoff chances, 88.8%. Is that, that good? Was a, that was not a team that, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, we were really entertaining. as like, yeah, of course they're going to be there. Now they are there. They are there. 88.8%. It would take a colossal fuck up for the Philly. And I'm sorry, if you're a Philly fan listening to this, I'm not, not trying to jinx your team. I'm trying to hype up your team. 88.8%. Pretty good. I like those fucking odds, Dallas. Hey, here's the best part about it is, right, the Phillies were kind of dog shit a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, and it was Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper who stood up and said, you know what? We have to win. We have to win. And he even said, we have to go on a streak. We've got to win nine out of ten. It needs to happen. Jared, can you tell me what their record is over the last ten games again for the people in the back who might have had the volume down? I believe it's nine and one. Best record so, in baseball. Yeah. So they won nine out of ten ball games. That's that's what you call manifest destiny. That's putting it out in the universe and letting the game come to you instead of you trying to do a little more than you might be capable of at that moment in time. Keep your head down, keep trucking, insert cliche here after cliche here, and now you find yourself in the position that the Phillies are in. And the best part about all of that, Jared, is that Bryce Harper, the man himself, said, my team has gone 9-1 and over this last 10 days because I haven't done shit. And when you think about that, that becomes scary because now you are now you're factoring and not doing this with your your guy, your best player, yeah, your yeah. best player. So now he starts to swing the bat, and we know what happens anytime a guy in the middle of the lineup who's been struggling starts to starts to turn shit around. Is that entire lineup just gets 
better because they've had a behemoth inserted right in the middle of them. Yeah, and I can't remember if this was part of the two-hour interview with Bryce Harper. Go back and listen to that if you haven't. We did it during quarantine. I can't remember if this was something that happened in the two-hour interview or if this was just a conversation that I had with Bryce outside of that. Yeah, we talk. We're friends. (laughs) I said, uh, you know, when you're talking about 2020 and the expectations for 2020, and we talked to him about, you know, last year when he had that realization point of when he knew – that the Nats were going to win the World Series. It was when they signed Patrick Corbin. Signed Corbin, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know, how often do we see teams just completely stock up and win the offseason and then they don't do shit? But it takes that year before like that core or that that I guess that group of talent to click and actually see results. I was like, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If because you know they added Andrew McCutcheon and JT Real Muto and Bryce Harper, guys like that, where it takes a year to sort of gel, and then that year two with the same group, that's when they go bam and then they just take off. So I think like that's that's kind of what's happening now. Is like you're seeing and like Andrew McCutcheon was hurt last year, now he's healthy and he's contributing in a big way. Um, those are the pieces. And Real Muto is, I mean, he's, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, but that's a piece that they added that they had high hopes for. He's delivering, and Bryce Harper is having another great season. So now you're starting to see in 2020 what the Phillies had hoped to see in 2019. It might be a year late, but it's here, and they're doing it. And, and you know, for Bryce Harper to just be like, yeah, I don't want any opt-outs. This is where I want to go for the next oh. 13 years. I want, to, I want to dig my roots here, and I want to be a part of something special. I'm very happy that it's happening. It's not like a, hey, I want to be part of like this rebuild that you got going on, and then maybe somewhere in the middle towards the end of my contract, then we can really make some noise in the postseason, and I can just be a, a cheerleader because I'm 45 years old. No, like you're getting prime Bryce Harper years in the postseason with the Phillies, with the initial group that you built around uh, Bryce Harper in Philly, that's, that's exactly what you're looking for is, is what's happening right now. Still the sexiest caveat to a contract thus far. Like when I think about building or creating a player and we get past the tools and we get into the intangibles, I want Bryce Harper's nutsack and you're thinking well Dallas you can you can actually touch that no I'm talking about the nutsack that says I am going nowhere I will be the pillar that you build around for the foreseeable future I'm not looking to get out of town at any point in time I'm not looking for you to be able to cut bait with me and that benefit the organization I'm looking for my presence over the next decade to be the benefit to the organization. So again, I, I really, I really hope that if you haven't listened to that interview with Bryce Harper, you do go back and take a listen because there was a lot of things, including the conversation around that, that I think swayed people's opinion about him because you understand that he is all gas, no breaks in terms of making sure, you know, where his heart lies and what he wants to achieve with the Philadelphia Phillies. He left no question about that. And if you even had one still, just revert back to the no trade. I'm 
fucking mm-hmm. here for Vita. Yeah, let's go. So now the Phillies find themselves two and a half games back after winning nine of ten. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, I still think, I mean, like when you're looking at that division and, uh, you know, there's a lot of talent there and there's a lot of inconsistency there where you have the Washington Nationals are in last place. I mean, they are statistically, it's not like one of those fluky things. Uh, they, they have the worst run differential in the NL East right now. Uh, the Atlanta Braves are in first place. They have the best run differential right now. Everything is in line. Like where you have the Phillies have the second best run differential. They're now in second place. The Marlins are obviously coming back down to earth. They're, they're a 500 team now. Um, it's, you look at the NL East and you're like, that makes sense. Like for what talent the Phillies have, they should be right there yes. uh, with the Atlanta Braves. Like that, it was, it, when you saw the Phillies kind of floundering around and they were, you know, fourth place, last place, third place around there, it was like, well, that's not what they're supposed to be. Like that's, that's not what this team was constructed to do. And now you're, you're seeing, and, and I don't know how you feel about it, because I don't think when we're talking about the 2020 Phillies, I don't know if we're talking about a World Series championship team. Um, what, what piece is it? And I'm not talking names. I'm just talking maybe position. What piece do you think, like, if you added this, now we're talking World Series for the Phillies? Oh, I mean, I, I, I feel like you might have to focus on the bullpen. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, Wheeler looks fucking good. Yes. No like, doubt. Like, he's – like, this is, a, this is a league now where, um, you know, even just 10 years ago, and I've, I've said this before, if, if someone threw, like, 99, 100, you knew their name because that was rare, it was special, and hitters looked overmatched against anything that was like 96 plus it was like oh 97 i can't fucking touch that like that's my my bat's gonna start smoking if i even foul tip that now it's like all right most not most but a lot of guys have 96 97 in the tank so when you're a starting pitcher like wheeler you go out there and you're you're dotting up 98 like his fastball he's not afraid to use it like we talk about clev like clev has 98 in the tank but he's going off speed off speed off speed Wheeler will attack you with the fastball and hitters still look overmatched against it, which is not something that I guess we're accustomed to seeing in today's game. Like you had a role this Chapman against the Mets and he goes up against JD Davis and he throws him 99 and JD just fucking smokes it. Like it was, you know, one mile an hour slop middle, middle, and it's not. So I, a guy like Wheeler, I've been impressed with this year, but, uh, yeah, I would say if, if they had some help in the bullpen, that would go a long way for them. Yes, a long way. And, and, and you're right about the Wheeler thing. It's almost like a Lance Lynn type deal. You know you're getting fastballs. It's just impressive to watch them move it around. And I don't want to say rely on it, but yeah, rely on it and have success with it. Yeah, Zach Wheeler this year, it, he's struck. Uh, I mean, that's kind of weird. The strikeout numbers aren't, aren't what you would think they would be. Um, 45 innings, only 29 strikeouts, but the ERA 2.20, the FIP about a run higher, so 3.22, uh, and the WHIP is like 107. So, I mean, he's limiting the traffic. Uh, the strikeout numbers could be better. I mean, uh, 2019, he basically had exactly one strikeout per inning through 195 and a third inning, struck out 195 batters. So the strikeout numbers aren't fantastic this year. Um, 
but he's getting the job done. I mean, a 220 is uh, essentially more than a full run, uh, call it a run and a half better than his, his career ERA. So yeah, that's been a factor. Noah, obviously we mentioned, but yeah, I'm excited to see what the Phillies do in the postseason Cause they're going to get a lot of energy. If you don't get it from the fans, you're going to get it from a guy like Bryce Harper. Like that dude is hungry for a championship and they may not have the best team, but you can make a case that they're, uh, they're hungry enough to win one. Well, and, and Real Muto's fucking fiery too. I like it. I like it a lot. And he's playing for a contract. Did, mm-hmm. we hit, uh, did we hit on everything that we mentioned at the top? We sure did. Wow, that was meaty. That was a meaty first segment. Uh, Dallas, you, get, you get anything to say about the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration? Yeah, I know we are creeping into holiday season mm-hmm. slowly but surely. We know that actions come with holidays. So I, I just wanted to take a moment to make sure that we're all doing our part to be as responsible as we possibly can. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. You get in a crash, people get hurt, people get killed. So let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. All right, almost 29 people in the U.S. die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. And even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Drunk driving can have a big impact on your wallet, too. You get arrested, incur huge legal expenses. You could possibly even lose your job. So what can you do to prevent drunk driving? Plan a safe ride home before you start drinking. Designate a sober driver. Call a taxi or some other ride-sharing service. If someone you know has been drinking, take their keys, arrange for them to get a sober ride home so you might be able to run it back the next night. We all know the consequences of driving drunk, but one thing is for sure, you are wrong if you think it's no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. Drive sober or get pulled over. If you feel different, you drive different. Um, damn, this next segment, I wish we had Statnug Jesus with us to uh, participate. I think, I think we can put it in perspective. We, could, we, can, we can do a fine enough job. It just feels like it just feels like we're not hammering home a hundred percent without stat nug Jesus. And what the fuck does that nerd know anyway? He's watching, he, he's watching half these games with this fucking calculator. He's just looking for number line. He has no idea. He's no, think about the Hosmer conversation we were having yesterday online. What did I tell what's you? His fly ball rate this year. He's not hitting did, many ground balls. I don't think. No, he's not, Jared. No, he is not. And you know what? I'm so glad that the San Diego Padres hung in there with him. Well, well, you know what? They didn't hung. They, they didn't hang in there with him. They knew exactly what they were getting. They knew they were getting a guy who was going to be a huge impact in that clubhouse, regardless of what the roster looked like at the time. They knew that moving forward, if they were going to do what they hoped to do, which was bring in world class talent, they were going to need somebody there that could create a culture for that talent to grow in insert Eric Hosmer. Now you're talking about an Eric Hosmer who is evolving, doing those things. The San Diego Padres thought he could do, which has become a pivotal part of the offense. If he just started to pay attention to maybe some of the shortcomings in his offensive approach. Yeah. 
So, like, so wouldn't you know it? Look at this though. Before, before you know this whole narrative, and it was true at the time. So I, I can't come at Jay Hay for his Eric Hosmer takes because they were correct at the time. Um, oh yes, there's no, there's no. Again, there's no denying where Hosmer was. Well, how do you feel about That's these not- numbers right now? So you have uh, year one with the San Diego Padres. Mm-hmm. Eric Hosmer set a career high in ground ball percentage, 60.4%. Fly ball rate was 19.7. Not great. Last year, ground ball rate, 56%, 23.1% fly ball rate. Okay, hold on. So so just looking at those numbers, Jordan, help me out here. Not a math guy, but I feel like there was... Okay, all right, go ahead, continue. They improved year over year. Now 2020, 44.2% ground ball rate. Okay. 38.4% 38.4% fly ball rate. I don't know. Wow. That, and that, that wow. is a career high. These numbers, uh, his ground ball rate would be a career low if the season ended today. His ground ball rate would be a career low, and his fly ball rate would be a career high. Wow. Wouldn't, wouldn't you know that? You give a guy like Eric Hosmer the opportunity to evolve, mm-hmm. and dare we call this a payoff? Mm. It was a slow burn. I'll say oh, that. I mean, sure, not, but <laughs> how old? How old is Eric Hosmer? He's got to be what, like thirty? Yeah, I think 31? he's like thirty. Is he? he yeah, I was gonna say maybe a little. Is is he young? He's younger than I am, I think. But but that's Eric Hosmer is thirty, so he he turns thirty-one in late October. And and that was the point that I was making the day that they signed Eric Hosmer is. The dude's approach, hard ground ball, low line drive, home runs and extra base hits are a byproduct of consistently succeeding with that approach. Mm -hmm. And he's now shifted it to where he's intentionally trying to hit that home run or he's trying to lift the baseball. He's not kind of juicy over here, actually. And and, and it's almost like, hold on, are, are we passing out credit for going... You know, if this guy who's really strong actually decided to quit hitting the ball on the ground and hit it in the air, he'd have success. Oh, <laughs> you don't fucking say? Wow. Wow. That is incredible analysis. Didn't see that coming. And that's, that's what calculators do for you. That's what calculators do. They tell you where a guy's at, and they oh, well, you know what? If the numbers on this calculator look different, he'd be better, and I'd be able to identify him then. But I can't now because the numbers just don't show me what I might need to look at to tell me that he could be getting better. They just tell me he's not worth the contract now, and he's terrible, and to hell with any sort of other intangible impact he's having. My calculator can't quantify that, so this doesn't matter. No. No, it doesn't matter because now the Padres – are one of the hottest teams in baseball. Eric Hosmer is the third best player on that fucking team behind the face of baseball mm-hmm. and a potential NL MVP mm-hmm. in his rookie year. That's who Eric Hosmer is. And when we want to talk about the conversation that was had with young Tatis Jr., mm-hmm. oh, the conversation that he wanted no part of? The com- no, that's, that's just explaining because that was the first time that Tatis had hit a grand slam in a 3-0 count up by fucking seven late in a ball game. So, yeah, he needed to be explained, hey, this is what's coming, but we're not mad at you. This isn't about you being a young, angry, like stupid individual. I'm just here to let you know what's going on. And then when you listen to the press conference after, you got some insight as to what that conversation was like. Yeah, I'm telling this kid to be him. 
We're telling this kid to do what he does. We're just making him aware of the game that's going on and what he's a part of. I'm just telling this kid to be him, though. That's all I'm doing. Uh, last year, Eric Hosmer's uh, OPS was 735 this year through the first 27 games is 955. Wow. He had a career 435 slug. He's slugging almost 600 this year, 592. And if there was somebody on the backfield who was showing the ability to do that a little better, maybe even against lesser competition early on the season, Justin Havens would be starting that guy at first base. I, I, it's, it sucks because I, I miss Jay Hay on the podcast. Uh, what, what's, what's Monday? Is it Labor Day on Monday? Uh, it's Labor Day every day, Jared. I'm doing heavy lifting around here. Yeah. I think he's got that. Uh, he does like the in Connecticut. He does like the tic tac toe tournament this weekend that he's doing with the uh, the youth of Connecticut. And you know that I can't be here today. But I, if he were here, I would imagine he would love to participate in the conversation and probably say something along the lines of, "Hey, hey, I was wrong about Eric Hosmer." I don't. I don't know that he has that in him. Mm-hmm. That would. That would. He would have to admit that his TI-82 calculator, like, spazzed out. Like, no, no, he can't. No, the, 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 the graph button was stuck. I wasn't able to calculate the, uh, the projections. That's not correct. Eric Hosmer's a decent ball player. Eric Hosmer's a decent ball player. Like, Jay Hay would just be sitting in the corner with his head fucking spinning, smoke coming out of his ears. No idea what's going on. Eric Hosmer has already accumulated more wins above replacement this year than he did in all of last year. And he's .4. I mean, last, last year he played 160 games. And he's already... Uh, 1.2 wins above replacement better this year than he was last year. And his war, uh, he's, he's 0.4 war away from matching his 2018 wins above replacement with his first season with the Padres that year, he played 157 games. So keep in mind, he's played 27 games this year. So that's, that's the type of player that Eric Hosmer has been in 2020. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, and I'm not going to, you know, I don't need to sit here and take credit for having saw this coming. It's called, it's called patience, Dallas. You got to let it breathe. Well, it's just called having an idea, having a feel for what the guy can do. And though the numbers might not bear it out instantaneously right here, right now, a lot of folks that watch the game with calculators in their hand are, are hard-pressed to hit the delete button on some of these guys. And that's yeah. just, you know, that's just not, well, that's just also just not having a lack of feel. You don't have any dirt under your spikes. I can understand that. Yeah. Speaking of deleting. Superstar appreciation time. Jacob DeGrom has been deleting hitters for the last three years at a historic rate. Uh, this year, another sub two ERA. one seven six, fifty eight strikeouts in 41 innings. Um, since the start of last year, his ERA is two. It's 203. 582 strikeouts in 462 innings. Uh, this is a guy that, and I know someone made this point on Twitter last night about Clayton Kershaw because... Clayton Kershaw recorded his 2,500th strikeout of his career. Dirty! Only 39 pitchers in big league history have done that, and he's just the 11th left-hander to do that in major league history. And someone was like, well, um, are we truly appreciating the fact that we get to see a 1,000% guarantee Hall of Famer every five days. Like, he's active right now, and we know for a fact that this dude is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, do we truly appreciate that as much as we could? I fucking and, hope so. And with Jacob deGrom, I could ask you the same question. Like, it's he's not yet attained Clayton Kershaw status, but I think 
what we're seeing with DeGrom is a starting pitcher who is having seasons comparable to or arguably better than the seasons that Clayton Kershaw was having when he was racking up Cy Young Awards. Um, are we truly appreciating Jacob DeGrom in his like his peak, his true peak is right now. Like he, he could end up winning the three-peat of NL Cy Young Awards. And we may be saying, seeing the third one of that. Uh, but because he's on the Mets, they don't score runs for him. Ah! Let me stop you there. Okay. And that is exactly why we are not underappreciating the work of Jacob DeGrom. Because the Mets have been bad enough for you to be able to wholly appreciate what Jacob DeGrom is doing. Like, the, the idea that the world now knows that when Jacob DeGrom's pitching and the other team may score one run, we know it's over. We know the Mets are going to lose that game, but we're talking about how Jacob DeGrom once again is going to go fucking seven, eight, nine innings, give up one run, and lose that ball game, or go seven, eight, nine innings of shutout baseball, leave with a no decision, and the Mets very well may end up losing that ball game as well. So knowing that that has been the, the fate for a while for a DeGrom outing, you have conditioned yourself to part ways with all of the other statistics that might bring value to you and his performance, the wins, the no, 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 that's not going to matter. That hasn't been a thing for a while, but for a lot of the lay fans, they're looking like, Oh, he can't win a ball game. He's no, no, that is my point though, is the Mets being as bad as they've been has allowed, I think layman fans to start to dive into why you appreciate a guy who's not giving you those numbers that got you excited about or that you got excited about early on. Now you're diving into the dominance, the Ks per nine, the shit like that, the whip, and, and you're realizing, wow, when you just look at what this dude does, like I, I, I don't even, yeah, I don't care what the end result is, whether the Mets win or lose. I am watching Jacob deGrom pitch, and I think he has given people the ability to fall in love with a pitcher in their performance not be hung up on the end result for the team. So I had this, this debate last night and we've had this on the podcast already about uh, the pitcher of the generation who's the best pitcher of this generation. And I don't want to get into that because we've already had this discussion. Uh, you, myself, Jay, Hey, we had this discussion, I think during quarantine, who's, who's the pitcher of the generation. It became between Justin Verlander and Clayton Kershaw. And I guess what I want to ask you is, is different from that question. Are Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer, is that, is that a different generation? Like, if, if you were to say, like, who's the pitcher of this generation, I feel like the discussion is like, all right, you have Clayton Kershaw versus Justin Verlander, but then I feel like you could also have, like, Jacob deGrom versus Max Scherzer. Is that all the same generation, or are those two different generations? When when were when was Degrom drafted? Because Verlander, I believe Verlander and I are both drafted in this. No, no, he's older than I am. I think he's is he a O two draft class? Verlander, fuck, he might be older than me. Or, Jacob Degrom was drafted in the ninth round of the twenty ten MLB draft. Yeah, so Kershaw 
and Verlander are, I would say, like at the latter end of a decade and DeGrom a new part of the, a new generation. Okay. Max Scherzer Is that fair to say? In the first round of the 2006 draft. So, like, Max Scherzer kind of like, I'm so leaning Scherzer, Scherzer belonging more to the Verlander-Kershaw discussion. Almost. Really? Because Verlander and Kershaw were both – were what year were they drafted? 04? Uh, I don't know. I think Verlander made his debut in 06. So that seems uh, – Verlander was drafted in the first round of the 2004 Major League. Yeah. Yeah. So I was drafted in – that's – yeah. Because I was drafted in 04. And I consider Verlander and Kershaw – who, me? Yeah, we don't need to talk about that. Um, 2006 draft for Clayton Kershaw. I regard those two as like the greatest pitchers in my generation, of my generation. Okay. Yeah, I, I, think, it's, I think it's a fun debate to have because, I mean, Dodgers fans freaked the fuck out when I said it was Verlander. It's really 1A and 1B with those guys. And Dodger fans were acting like I said, Clayton Kershaw sucks. I just literally said he's the second best pitcher of his generation. And that discussion can change. Like, they're, they're not done. Like, we're not talking about a Hall of Fame ballot where you're looking at a completed body of work that we've had five years to analyze. We're talking about two books that are not completed yet. So it's, it's an open-ended discussion about who, who the pitcher of the generation is. But... It's 1A and 1B. You're not going to definitive, definitively say one over the other. Uh, I think it's the only thing that's not a debate to me is whose peak was better, whose like 10-year peak was better. That's Clayton Kershaw. Like that's – I don't even think that that's debatable. No, and I mean if Clayton Kershaw – I'd have to dive into some of, the, some of the advanced statistics, some of the advanced metrics here, but – I mean, who's got a who's got a higher war? Verlander's got a higher war, though, does Correct. he not? He does. Than, than Kershaw he's also and pitched like 159 more starts or something like that. Right. Who Ver, Verlander's started 159 more games? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he's got like three more seasons under his belt. But I was also saying, you know, like there's a durability argument to be made where Kershaw, uh, in like the last call it four years, has run into some back issues that have limited yeah. his his availability and. So I think it's, it's, it's a discussion and you can't definitively say right now because they're both still going and they're both still very good. It's not even like, Oh, we're, we're comparing peaks because they're still in the league, but you know, they're not what they once were. I mean, Verlander won the fucking Cy Young last year uh, and Kershaw is still doing it right now. So we'll see it will, we'll revisit it when they both hang up the spikes. And I hope that that's not anytime soon. Ooh. Uh, take a guess at how many complete games Clayton Kershaw has thrown in his career. Uh, in his career, I'm going to say 31. No, 25. Oh, I mean, I was about, in the ballpark. How about Verlander? Oh, Verlander's probably thrown 39. 26. Oh. Yeah, yeah, crazy, right? 
and and because we're talking about three more years worth of outings and like that i i always just look at weird little shit like that like because you you brought up durability so my mind goes to you know how long are they hanging around innings per per season completed games and shit like that and for three essentially three more seasons worth of work under his belt for clayton kershaw and justin berlander to only have their complete game total separated by one is is pretty cool and also uh, quality starts 258 for Clayton Kershaw, 306 for Justin Verlander. I have a feeling you may already know the answer to this to this trivia question. <clears throat> if Degrom wins the Cy Young Award this year, that'll be three straight. He would be the third pitcher to do so. Do you know the other two that have done it? Uh, unit and Rocket. No, Units one. Uh, unit not Pedro. Uh, Pedro won 97, 99, 2000, and he got fucked. He should have been one of them. 2001 was when Zito, I think, won it, and Pedro's numbers were a billion times better. So Pedro should have went 99, 2000, 2001, uh, and 97. Damn. It's, it's not – you see, it's not Roger Clemens? Nope. Why am I? F- Clemens has seven, but they're like spread out over like 20 years. He won back to back in Toronto. The only two years he was in Toronto, he won Cy Young Awards. Oh, man. Is, is, is this a recent winner? No, but it's a pretty obvious answer. Like it's like when you have the discussion of greatest pitchers of all time, like he, he comes up pretty, pretty quick. Well, who? Just tell me who. Greg Maddox. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 in a row thing is. Yeah, threw you off. It's okay. I mean, especially to <laughs> to win three in a row, being in the same rotation as two other Hall of Fame studs, like that's like a three game winner, and, and Smoltz obviously is is a hofer. That's that's tough to do. That's well, especially to because you talk about the, you know, the, the MVP conversation about guys being on the same team, stealing votes from each other. Yeah, it happens. Um, Tom Seaver, though, it's been a tough week uh, for as much great storylines as there have been. Uh, this one sucks. Tom Seaver passes away at the age of 75. Um, but if there is sort of like a bright light to this story, uh, the Mets their tribute to, to Tom Seaver, the franchise, uh, that was awesome. You know, he's, he's, the, he's the dude that every single still shot that you see of Seaver, if you've seen an autograph of Seaver, it's with that, that drive leg knee, the right knee on the ground. Uh, and, and the Mets went out there and, and dirtied up their right knees as a tribute to Seaver, had the comeback victory against the Yankees, uh, your boy Pedro Alonso with the walk-off homer, absolute fucking piss rocket, by the way. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a tough. It was a tough. Uh, we kind of knew it was coming because we knew he wasn't doing well, uh, but it still sucks the same. Um, uh, by the way, Tom Seaver, that was like that used to be my favorite um, trivia question before Griffey broke it, and then obviously Jeter and Rivera. But Tom Seaver, for the longest time, had the highest voting. Highest Hall of, Fame. Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For a Game long near. time, that was the that was my one of my favorite trivia questions. 
that was yeah that that was the standard yeah i had a uh i had a like oh fuck moment when that news broke jay hay had sent out a tweet saying r.i.p to the greatest live or the greatest met of all time and i hadn't like i had been fucking around outside i think with with my kids so i hadn't seen anything and i saw that tweet and just responded oh did tim tebow retire and was like and jay hay was like uh what and i you know i didn't i had no idea what had happened yeah and he was like bro tom siever died and i was like what what if i was like what do you mean tom siever and honestly it didn't even register in my head mm-hmm. like what jay hay was saying at that moment in time because like i instantly went into like come on like sad fucking heartbroken mode like fuck tom siever just died yeah. what the fuck and it didn't even like it didn't even compute in my head and then i saw it and i was like oh fuck but you know obviously people understand i not making light of anybody passing sure. and i think we understand i'm probably the last dude that that would ever make light of a baseball god mm-hmm. becoming immortalized speaking um, of three cy youngs he's got three yeah sure does three cy, three cy youngs three fucking era titles mm-hmm. 12 time fucking all-star yep i mean a fucking guide when they call you the franchise like that kind of shit i feel like gets thrown around a lot in this day and age, right? Like yeah. you, you have a good game from the three point line and Oh fuck. You're the, you're the next Steph Curry. Like you're the franchise. Um, it takes some special occurrences for, for that to be thrown around in those days. And, and that was just like a, that was a no brainer. Like this dude is, he is the gold standard. Uh, so when I was a kid, um, Obviously, I grew up a huge baseball fan, and I didn't obviously have the same grasp on Major League Baseball that I do today in terms of, like, who's really good and, like, who's on what team. And Tom Seaver went to my dad's work and when I was, like, really young. So I must have been, like, a few years after he retired or whatever. So my dad had, like, this Polaroid picture of him and Tom Seaver and he had a baseball in his desk drawer, and he had Tom Seaver sign it. So I have a signed baseball from Tom Seaver with the picture of him and my dad. And Tom Seaver actually uh, ended up on the Red Sox in 1986. So I remember like being like, oh, like you know, when I was around like the early, like late 90s, early 2000s. And just like researching Tom Seaver. And that's why I knew like that he had the highest like uh, voting percentage. I was like, yeah, I think, I think Tom Seaver is my favorite pitcher. Like yeah, he's got a picture <laughs> with my dad. I got his autographs. I'll be my fucking favorite pitcher. Fuck yeah. And then like when I started collecting autographs, like the framed, like I have like a million framed eight by 10 autograph Red Sox players. And I was like, Tom Seaver, like that dude must have spent Fox legend and like he made 16 starts for the rest yeah of one, one, one season so i was yeah. like why can't i find an eight by ten picture of tom siever with the red sox autographed i was like what the fuck like this must be like the most rare Just autograph don't exist so like i still don't have one but i would like one if it's out there if if someone knows like i would for sure uh, if you can if you can if you're listening to this members of the grounds crew 
Don't contact Jared. Contact me. Get a hold of me. Get a hold of me. Talk to me. Yeah. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. I, I, I have been since, I don't know, I was probably 10 or 11, 12 years old, like looking for a picture of Tom Seaver in a Red Sox uniform from 1986 autographed. And I would love to put that on the wall today. Um, speaking of the grounds crew sending things out. <laughs> so, um, as you know, I started collecting bobbleheads of every guest that we've had on the podcast. And I had a few already of like my own personal collection, like maybe like 10, whatever that I put in this glass case. So members of the grounds crew started reaching out being like, Hey, like this one, I know that you had this person on, do you want this one? So people just like started offering up pieces of their own collection to, to mine. And I, I, as you know, I just moved into this new apartment and, uh, when I, like when I moved here, like it's obviously a pandemic. So like no human being explained to me like how things work here. So they, they have like these mailboxes. But in your hometown? Yeah. No one explained to me. Like the one point of contact that I had was this girl uh, who worked here. And then like the day I moved in, she got transferred to another office. So like she doesn't work here anymore. So I, I literally know nobody here. I don't know anyone in the office. I don't know any of my neighbors, nothing. So um, when, when I first moved here, they were like, there's, there's mailboxes outside where you, if, if you get a package, you get an email and then you go down and you scan the email and it just pops the box open. So I didn't like have like a mail key or whatever. Right. Just a drop box. Yeah. So, I mean, when, when the people reached out being like, Hey, I'll send you this, I'll send you this. Like I probably gave like the mailing address to, I don't know, like 50 fucking people. And I got like five packages. So I was like, all right. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, like people are like, it's a pandemic. Like people are busy. Like I got, and then I would get like the email and it would say like, you have a, you have a package, go down. I would scan it. So I had like five boxes, like I'm like my kitchen table or whatever. Uh, yesterday I get a knock at my door and I was like, that's weird. And I opened up the door and this guy standing there, he's like, are you, uh, you Jared Carabas? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you have like 50 fucking packages downstairs. Like, can you come get them? And I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. Like, do you not have a mail key? And I was like, uh, I don't think so. I don't, I, I just have like my door key. And he was like, well, you need a mail key. You got 50 packages downstairs. If you could clean out the boxes, that'd be great. So I was like, all right. So I fucking, I get a mail key and I go down there. And I guess what happens is like, you have like this little tiny mail slot, but if you get a bigger package, they put a key to a bigger compartment in there. So in you take box. the key out of your mailbox and you open, open. up that one. So I, I had like three mail keys in there mm -hmm. and I pull them out and I'm fucking, uh, opening up all these boxes and there's just a shit ton of packages there from God knows how long they've been sitting there. I had no idea. Like if I didn't get an email, I had no idea that they were sitting there. So fucking me and Ellen are hauling up these packages up the elevator. And now like my kitchen counter has legitimately 50 boxes of, of what I can only imagine are bobbleheads from the grounds crew. So I came up with this idea and Bryn's involved in this. I'm going to video myself doing basically like an unboxing where I will open up all of the boxes from the grounds crew and pull out the bobblehead and I'll tell my favorite memory from meeting that player or an interview with that player. And we can run some footage 
from the interview, some callbacks to it. And I'm going to give a shout out to everyone who sent me a bobblehead. Well, that's very nice. Yeah. That's, I, I already have a Dallas brain bobblehead. It's the perfect. Oh, it's yeah. It's actually, you know where I put it? It's got, it's got, um, so I put, I have, I don't know if you know this, I have a bobblehead of myself as well. So what I did was on the eye level shelf, I put Dallas on the left. I put me on the right and front center and in between us, is the no-hitter baseball, 6-5-0-4, 13 <laughs> strikeouts against the Revere All-Star team. Um, the, the piece, because I was like, ah, I, I don't want to be like too close to Dallas, but I need like a center, like something in the middle that just really grabs your eye, and it is the no-hitter baseball. Um, so this shelf, is, this shelf is what, just right above your baseboard then? No, it's, it's a, like eye level would probably be about like five feet, seven inches off the ground. Okay. Right. Eye level. Eye level. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So that's, uh, I appreciate it. You're going to be able to last long through that, through that unboxing, Jared? I don't think so. Don't I, let, I, don't let multiple boxes have you, have you busting early, Jared. I don't think, uh, it might be an issue if we're being completely honest with each other. Well, I've got some advice. If you find yourself balls deep in multiple boxes like our man jared here there's only one thing to do what's that and that's to swipe yourself hell yeah yeah swipe with the wipe what am i talking about you know what i'm talking about most of you guys have tried different ways to last longer but thinking about jared unboxing bobbleheads mm-hmm. is just not gonna get it done any longer so the folks at roman the online men's health company that has been changing the game. They are continuing to change the game with Roman swipes. This is the secret, the ultimate secret to lasting longer. Yes. Roman swipes are clinically proven, clinically proven to last longer in bed. So again, you're faced with the task of unboxing, but you want to make sure that you don't blow it before you've even ripped off the tape. You know what I mean? So what do you do? You go into the bathroom. I've told you guys this is the foolproof approach. Go into the bathroom, leg up on the counter, make eye contact with yourself because, let's be real, you deserve it, and you're in all your glory at that moment. Give yourself a swipe, and then head back on out and do God's work. That's right. They are so effective and easy to use and fast-acting, it's really going to be just like a fresh and up session there. Your partner's going to have no idea what the hell you're doing. But what you're doing in there is getting ready to make memories. That's what you're doing. Really, it's just about you loving your partner. They're super easy to use. You take the swipe right out of the swipe it on, let it dry, and you're good to go. That's it. That's it. It's that simple. Swipe. Good to go. So go to GetRoman.com slash starting. You can get your first month of swipes for just $5 when you choose a monthly plan. That's GetRoman.com slash starting. Five bucks. Just swipe, and you're good to go. That's it. That's all there is to it. Um, I actually just got a message from someone on Twitter that uh, made like an Infinity Stones design. That's that's really, you know what? So we're about to do Twitter questions. I'm gonna do we I'm gonna take do a, we get that tattooed? Infinity stones. 
Do we get do 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 we? You know what? I mean, I I told you that we needed to do this. I, we just need to pick out a body part like maybe it's an ass cheek maybe it's a, a, a like a left quad don't look at me like that and my ass is already taken for tattoo. your ass is already tatted up <laughs> your ass is already been tatted up. <laughs> oh there's some folks in pelican bay that are are gonna have some things to say about jared's ass getting tattooed yeah. um and, and we just dedicate that body part to the ridiculous tattoos that we might come up with. Like that, that's like the left leg is, you know, like that's the betting tattoo, uh, the competition that you lose and you got to get a tattoo. You just throw all that shit right there on that body part. So like the infinity stones, you get that tattooed on your, on your inner thigh or something. I want to do something. We were going to do spikes up tour 2019. We were going to do, um, what's it called? Fucking, uh, the baseball seam tattoos. Yes. Well, that's, that's, that's still going to happen. That'll still happen. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going to put it, but I'll put it. Somewhere. I don't care. I'll find I'll find a spot. Um, so when we were talking about when we had Max Freed on the podcast last week, we, or we started talking about like the baseball infinity stones. And I was like, all right, so we have Lucas Giolito, Jack Flaherty and Max Freed are the first three. There's six. I mean, they would be the infinity stones of major league baseball because they were high school teammates. Now they're all big league studs emphasis on studs. Um, so who would, I guess, Jay, Hey, Twitter questions. We have, that is my first question. I'm submitting a Twitter question to starting nine. If Max Fried, Lucas Giolito and Jack Flaherty are the first three infinity stones of major league baseball, who are the other three? Well, I think does the does the Infinity Stone label not also have something to do with the close relationship yes, or just the team sh- you know yeah, of of two out of the three? Mm-hmm. Um, well, dude, like I feel like if those are the young guys, the young Infinity Stones, we got to think about the Infinity Stones that paved the way for the Infinity Stones to become Infinity Stones. I would agree. So, who you got? I mean, how do we not put two of the guys that we've been talking about on this podcast in that? Conversation. Jacob Degrom, Justin Verlander, Justin Verlander, Clayton Kershaw. How are those guys not Infinity Stones? Like, think when you think dominant pitching right now, and if you were to just go left-hander, right-hander, those are the first two names you come up with. Yeah. Like, give me the left-handed Infinity Stone, Clayton Kershaw. Give me the right-handed Infinity Stone, Justin Verlander. Yeah, I mean, I'm also thinking like if we're and, and then, like and the then young, DeGrom. Young studs, too. I mean, like Shane Bieber. Yes, and, 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 but, but again, if we're, if we're talking, and, and that's why the Infinity Stone label and the relationship between, like, Giolito and Flaherty, that's why that factors in. Because from there, we just get into acknowledging young dudes who should be a part of that conversation. And as Shane Bieber, as Shane Bieber sits right now, like the dude is flirting Jared with posting a sub one ERA. Like his ERA is not even going to start in the same column as everybody else's. Yeah. So, so he's a part of that infinity stone conversation. There's no way you can even have that conversation without Shane Bieber today. Um, so the old school or the, the older stones, the, the infinity boulders <laughs> that the stones are chipped off. Uh, yeah. Verlander Kershaw. And I might have to think about that third one. Yeah. That's going to be, I mean, Scherzer. 
Yes, it is. It is. I mean, if you, I don't have you, to think any more about if you that. Get three Cy Young awards. You're in. You're in. Yeah, we don't have to think about that. Yeah, that one's that one's a wrap. Um, do you think that we have seen the best of Javi Baez? Ooh, I don't think so. Any player that's like in their prime years that has sucked this year, I'm not looking at that as this is the decline of said player. No, I I, I would <clears throat> agree with that wholeheartedly. It is a a down year in a shortened season with all of the BS that's gone that's gone on around it. This is all you're hoping is that your favorite player comes out of this season healthy, right? Yeah. That's what you're hoping. So to to take a look at any sort of production and think that this is a and and maybe this is wrong of me to say, but I feel this way. If you've had success during the season, I think that can be an indicator of what you can do because it's showing that you have the ability to make adjustments no matter how long or short of a streak you're on. You have shown the ability to to succeed and make adjustments that allow you to continue to succeed. If you are failing in this moment in time right now, because there's always something to getting back on track. There's always something that is probably impacting your lack of success, like acutely, meaning it is a mechanical issue or it is a health issue, whatever the case. I think you can adjust. This is not, this would be considered an outlier. So if you're having success right now, you've shown the ability to make the adjustments that allow you to keep having success. And that's a bright spot. If you're struggling right now, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt because I know what I know how much preparation plays a part in your success. And this season has just not provided that for a lot of guys. I would agree. Um, I don't think, I don't think it's fair. I mean, I I think you can obviously look at dudes that are having breakout seasons and be like, yeah, that that, that's legit. I think Um, like, like you think Javi Baez is seriously hitting what you think he's going to hit 200. You think he's going to hit fucking 220? No. I don't. No. No. <laughs> Shit ain't happening. So yeah, it's it's a it's an outlier. Yeah, that's not something that I'm looking at being like, you know what? This is this is the new normal. <laughs> no, this is this is not El Mago, okay? This is El Struggolo right now, no doubt. But this is fucking this is the magician, folks. The dude's a badass. Yeah. Um next question. What is more likely to happen? Jacob deGrom wins a third straight Cy Young Award or yes. Juan Soto wins the National League MVP? Ooh, I was really excited right after you said that last part, but then I went right back to saying deGrom. Yeah, me too. And it's, and it's only because Soto is not in a class by himself right now in that race, in that MVP discussion. No. There's other people in that discussion. Jacob DeGrom happens to be one of those dudes in that discussion. No? Or excuse me, no, I'm, I was thinking Bieber. Sorry. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of both. I mean, DeGrom is kind of in a class of his own in the National League, at least. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's been a lot. I, I would say the best pitchers in baseball all reside in the well, National well, League, like are a good chunk of them. But like, yeah, DeGrom is this. still the cream of the crop. Yes. And this should answer it for you. Yeah. Is there a Cy Young conversation to be had in the American League? No. Okay. 
is there a Cy Young conversation to be had in regards to the National League? Um, yes. So yes. there's the difference in MVP status between Bieber and, uh, and DeGrom right now is there's not even a conversation about the Cy Young and really the conversation about the MVP in the American League. You might be able to start that conversation with Shane Bieber. In the National League, you're not starting that conversation with Jacob DeGrom, and there is a conversation to be had about a U Darvish about some other guys in the National League who were throwing the ball extremely that gallon, well. Out of that nowhere. gallon. So Max Freed. Oh. <laughs> I mean, we mentioned oh him God. earlier. What, what about like if Zach Wheeler entered the chat in that conversation? Ooh, is he there? I don't. Is yeah. he there right now? Yeah, I, he's, right now he is. He's sixth in Major League Baseball in wins above replacement. But what is it? I mean, compared to some of those arms, are you looking at the numbers right now? Yeah. I, I like. I mean, we talked about it earlier with the strikeouts. Like you're gonna need, you're gonna need uh, to have more strikeouts than innings pitched, and he doesn't. Like yeah, I, the, I think if we were gonna have the National League signing Award discussion right now, I don't think that I would advocate for Zach Wheeler, but I do think he's in, he's in the conversation. He's in the mix. He's he's um, they have his number queued up. He's yeah. not. He's not in the chat right now, but he's queued up. Yeah, like like how MLB Network, if when they announce the winners of those awards, they usually do like a split screen with three guys. I don't know that he's one of those three guys. It would probably end up being. Um, he's the gold writing at the bottom. They yeah. mentioned this name. Yeah, he's he's in the conversation. Max Fried, Jacob Degrom, and X New Darvish. There you go. All right. Well, that brings us, I believe, to the last question, right? The, well, Mookie Betts is winning the MVP. He's going to make me look really fucking good. Um, <laughs> Dang, he is. He was my pick. I was Jared, the only one who picked him on this podcast for, to win the National League MVP. Check the numbers. Did you notice this? No, what? Did you notice that? You know how many home runs Mookie Betts has? Um, with the Rockies, Mookie Betts has more home runs than the entire fucking Red Sox. He has more home runs than the Red Sox have wins. I think I think someone had the stat the other day that uh, it was like Marcelo Zuna has more home runs at Fenway Park this year than like J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers or something like that. <laughs> With the Rockies now under 500, was their hot start just a fluke or have they just hit a rough patch? I think a lot of that goes back to like Herman Marquez being a guy to start the year and he has really fizzled out over his last few starts. Um Kyle Freeland gave up like a four spot to the Giants the other day. Like, you know, he needs to to get his shit together. Um, and then like Nolan Arenado has been streaky offensively. So mm-hmm. it's like if you're going to – like when the Rockies win baseball games, it's usually because they get pretty good starting pitching. They bludgeon you to death offensively. And then the bullpen just tries to – close the door the best to their ability but when you're not bludgeoning teams to death instead are getting bludgeoned to death the giants fucking what did they win 23 to 5 the other night uh, 20 oh my god what an what a routing just an just a pounding jerry yeah it was bad it was bad and it looked like it was going to be bad again the rockies actually won that game that uh it started out for nothing in the first inning against kyle freeland they won that game um but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think their hot start was a fluke. I think they're that good when they play to their full potential. It's not like 
you know, when, when Nolan Arenado is struggling offensively, it's not like, oh, well, that's just who he is. Like, that's, that's the opposite of what he is. He's one of the best offensive players in baseball. Um, so I think that they're somewhere in between. They're not as bad as they've been playing. I don't think that they were as good as they were when they started off red hot. But, you know, they're, they're, they're good enough to have a winning record uh, in, in, in 2020. Will we see that? Probably not. But, you know, they're, they're definitely good enough. Do you still have – are you holding out hopes that they are a wild card team? Ah, uh, man. Because, uh, because I think we're I, – I think at this point, let's, let's do this. Can we eliminate them from the first two spots in that division comfortably? Yes. Okay. So now we're talking about being one of the best wild card teams in the National League. So we're talking about teams like what? The well, fuck the Giants. The, the well, the, yes. The so Rockies, Giants. Even Phillies. from that division, I mean, the, uh, you can't even eliminate the Phillies from winning the division. So, well, no, that's that's what I'm yeah. saying. The Phillies are let's a part just, of that. So let's count them out: Braves, Phillies, Cubs, Cardinals, Dodgers, Padres. That's six teams. So you've got two mm-hmm. open spots there. Uh, and now, have- and so from there, you have to think about who, who would it be? Because the, the Marlins are, I think the Marlins are in third in the East, yep. right? Yep. And what do they have? 16, 17 wins. They're I think the Mets have 16. Mets have 17 wins, I believe, as well. The Mets have better playoff odds right now than the Marlins almost double. So they're 45.3%. And then you go to the central. The Who's bringing up the rear there? The Brewers, the, Brewers the fucking Reds. percent right now. Yeah, so I, 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 I've got the Colorado Rockies getting in as that. What's that? Yeah, I think they, I, I, I think they're in. If you were to say, I mean, because out of those other teams that we mentioned, the, the like the fringe teams for those last two spots would be the Mets, Marlins, Brewers. Honorable mention to the Reds. Giants, Rockies. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you like out of those out of those teams to be the last two spots? Are the are the Rockies one? Yes, I think no? I think the Rockies are one. The only thing that scares me is that run differential, negative thirty five. That's not great. Yeah, Giants only negative four. <laughs> right, and and so think about it. The Giants at two games under five hundred are at a negative four. The Rockies are almost a five hundred ball club and have been outscored. By 35 runs. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that's scary. That's yeah. not... That's, that's not. So if, if you want to go by run differential, the best eight teams in the National League, Dodgers, Padres, Braves, Cardinals, Cubs, Phillies, Giants, Marlins, Mets. Oh, wow. Actually, yeah, I, I, I said nine teams, so not the Mets. The Marlins would actually make the cut before the Mets did. Yeah, I'm right. I, I, I will, as of today, Friday, September 4th, the Colorado Rockies will be a wild card playoff team. <laughs> yes, they will. All right. All right. I mean, I, yeah, I guess, I guess, uh, I guess we're going to find out. No love for the Marlins. Damn. It'd be funny to see them get in. That'd be great. That would be great. <laughs> It would be great. I mean, like right now, if you want to go by winning percentage, Dodgers, Braves, Cubs, Padres, Phillies, Marlins, Cardinals, Rockies. They're in. They're in. They are the eighth team. All right. 
Final thoughts? Hmm. Final thoughts. <sighs> yeah, I'm disappointed that I'm not going to see Clev's, uh, Clev's debut appearance with yeah. the Padres. I, I was really anticipating. I was really, it was going to be, it was going to be Lozardo. Yeah. He first Clevenger. Lozardo goes tonight. Lozardo goes tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It, gonna, yeah. it is what it is. It is, what it it is. is. I'm just glad that the A's are playing baseball. It's been a fucking week. It's been a week since the A's have played baseball. Finally, finally excited. I, look, this is a, this is a very nerve wracking point in the season for me right now. If I'm being totally honest. Yeah. Uh, we got to see how this Simeon injury continues to shake out. Don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, all the downtime. Sure, you've got a, a, a lead in the division, but that can go away in a matter of 48 hours. So I, I just hope we see a hungry group come out for the A's and, uh, and, and try to put this little fiasco behind us. That's what I hope. Yeah. It has been a fiasco. It has. Um, yeah, I, I, my final thoughts, Dallas. I'm getting pretty comfortable not watching the Red Sox on the big TV. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> like I, it's going to be a thing for a while. I feel like. No, nah, they'll be fine next year, maybe. But I, I think I have gotten pretty comfortable of like putting them on either the iPad or a TV with no volume on it. Just like the fact that uh, Thursday baseball is cool. I mean, you're like, you kind of, you're done by like midnight, maybe, maybe a little bit earlier, but sitting down at my normal time around like seven o'clock and being able to put on like Don Orsillo and, and, and Mark (laughs) Grant, San Diego Padres broadcast at 7 PM. See Clev out there, get to listen to that broadcast, watch the sunny skies in San Diego, nice and early. It was nice. It was nice. But I did, I did flip it back over once Clev came out. I put the Red Sox back on because uh, Martin Perez had a no-hitter going. So I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen for that. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's been nice. It's been nice to be arguably the most well-rounded baseball fan I've ever been right now. I, I think that is a fair assessment because it's not just vitriol for one team that I'm seeing across the timeline. And it's not just sorry, sad excuse after sorry, sad excuse for why the Boston Red Sox are conceivably the worst baseball team to be allowed to play baseball this season. I don't, I, I'm not, I'm, it's a, it's honestly, I'm not hearing a lot of that. It's a veiled blessing is what it was because the Red Sox were so bad that I was able to cancel the season two weeks in and now I can just like enjoy the 60 game season everywhere. Like the viewing experience of having six TVs running is unlike anything that I think the average baseball fan is going to be able to do. You like, you can keep an eye on everyone and enjoy all the baseball without, cause there is something to like, all right, so I'll wake up in the morning and I'll watch quick pitch on LB network and I'll, I'll catch up on everything that everyone else is doing. Being able to actually watch the games fucking great well you know what it's like it's like you've gone to a restaurant and you've been denied the child's menu there's no chocolate milk there's no chicken tenders and we don't have any french fries but you know what we do have we've got a nice 
adult beverage with your name on it. We've also got a phenomenal fried chicken, garlic, mashed potato entree for you. So it's not your chicken tenders and French fries, but it's scaled up just a touch. And now you're like, oh, (laughs) this is not half bad. This shit tastes pretty good. I guess I don't have to be stuck ordering chicken fingers and chocolate milk and French fries anymore. I could be a real boy. Yep. It's nice. It's nice. It's nice to be able to uh, have your finger on the pulse, so to speak. And uh, Oh, you know what? I do got some last final thoughts. Dad strength is real. Dad strength is very real. We saw Mike Trout just go on a fucking tear the minute his wife had their baby. Mm-hmm. Brian Reynolds. Oh. Of the Buckos. My Buckos. <laughs> Him and his lovely wife welcomed a bundle of joy into the world earlier this week. And Brian Reynolds, back from the paternity list, goes deep, Karabas. How have the Pirates not sent you like a care package with merch? I feel like that would have been a, a huge missed opportunity Oh, it, like, oh, someone actually wants to wear our shit out in public? Like, let's get them a care package. It has been a huge missed opportunity for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I still have the fucking eye patch that I wore <laughs> with the renegades of the rotunda, the, the pirate crew, uh, the pirate fan crew who hangs out in the, like, you know, the walking rotunda that allows you to get from level to level mm-hmm. in PNC. They just hang out <laughs> in left field. And, you know, we all know the story. When I was with ESPN, I was out there. It was the last game I did. Tim Kirkjian likes to tell me it's the greatest moment of television history that he saw that resulted in a firing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I was running around PNC Park with – a fucking pirate outfit on like in my three piece suit slash pirate outfit with fans. And they gave me like a costume and shit to wear. And yeah, it was, it was a good time. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my myself. So yeah, if there's any pirate fans who are listening to this, that know somebody in that office, tell, tell them what to do. Yeah. T- tell what size are you Dallas? What size make a move. I mean, give me a large yeah. shirt. Um, anything else? I'm, hey, whatever. I'll, I'll wear it. I'll fly it. I'll, I'll fucking raise it. Mm-hmm. You think I won't raise it? I'll raise it. Mm-hmm. The oh. flag will have that bitch up in Southern California by the week's end. Love that. Before we go, Dallas, do we have a, a move update? Ooh. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, do, we do have a little bit of an update. Uh, from what I understand, you've been making contact. Hey, listen, I don't, that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not in my DNA to when I see something that I want to try to inject myself into that in hopes of making an impact for something that could potentially benefit me. I've never done that historically, and I don't intend on starting now. Okay. So you were probably just making sure that my, my girls had a good nap when you, when you text my wife to see if, she was looking at homes on the East coast. Yeah, no, I was, I was basically okay. just like, Hey, um, I was letting her know first. I was letting her know that I, I had moved. I didn't know if she knew that I had moved. So I was like, Hey, just let you know. Like, Cause you know, if you guys like, have like a dinner party or something and you want to like send me an invite in the mail, I was like, Hey, I have a new ass. Uh, so I, I don't want you to send it to the New York one. So that's really all that was. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. 
it is it is picking up steam and it's it's nice because it's organic mm-hmm. it almost feels like it's been one of those situations where you just kind of like drop that seed early yeah. and water it every now and then yeah. and then as it starts to grow that person grabs you by the hand and is like hey look what i planted the other day and it's already growing how fucking cool is this and i'm like wow that's a that's a beautiful plant. I wonder what it's gonna look like when it blossoms. Yeah, yeah. And so we'll so we'll see. Yeah. So positivity, Jared. Yeah. Po- positivity. A lot of positivity happening here. It's uh, you know, well we'll see. You know, I, I got my fingers crossed, and uh, you know, the possibilities they could potentially be endless. So I I would I would I uh, just want it to be known that I will be negotiating three a minimum of three hot warm home-cooked meals made by ellen i mean she would she would gladly do that gladly i mean she she has the money to now afford like if you wanted steaks like she can get like the fucking best steaks in the world because now she's my employee like i'm throwing her money every single week now to come in and she fucking does my laundry she dusts she'll clean the bathrooms oh so it's even it's even better it's even better knowing that you would be buying me dinner. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. yes. Yeah, you that's... know what, Dallas? Dallas, listen. If you move to Boston, I'll buy you whatever the fuck you want. I, I, I don't care. Clip that off. Clip that off. Clip that off. I will buy. I will move to fuck. <laughs> You think I'm not going to put complex. you goddamn right? I'm gonna. I am putting a down payment in an apartment today. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you got a place in this apartment complex, it would be, whew, it would be something. Oh, I, and you know what? I have a feeling Jay Hay would probably buy you something too. I feel like you would. Jay Hay will buy me, he'll buy me all the shit I want. Yeah. Guy's a good dude. He's a good dude. Good I need guy. to buy him a new pair of shoes. He's been on that fucking dog walk for God knows how long. Yeah. Well, I told you, he's got the tic-tac-toe tournament that he does with the, uh, the youth. That's right. Was that, was that before or after the Chihuahua Anal Glands Expression Convention? That's on Sunday. Got it. Yeah. All right tournaments on saturday he's got the uh the anal glands on sunday um and then he's obviously off on monday so yeah he doesn't do mondays okay all right soon enough yep can't wait 